This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Jeremy Lee in the building and every guest that you ever needed. Sports cards after hours keep the hobby heated. Updates, hobby talk like you never seen it. Sports cards live and I could ever beat it. Sports cards is a lifestyle. Sports cards and we live now. Welcome to another episode of Sports Cards Live with your host, Jeremy Lee. All right, here we go. Welcome, everybody. Episode number 208 of Sports Cards Live. It is Saturday night, December the 16th, 2023. My name is Jeremy Lee. I would like to thank everybody who tuned in last time, where we did a Just Jeremy, Just Me episode. A lot of fun. They always are. We'll try and do those once every couple months or so. Next Saturday, our guest on the show is Stephen Ho. He's got a great collection. He's been on before. We'll be welcoming Stephen back on the show tomorrow night on the channel. Josh Madigan from the Hockey Cards Gong Show joins me for our weekly PWCC Hockey Auction Watch Party. And on Monday night, Michael Hathaway from MC Sports Cards joins me for our weekly MC Mondays live show. Both are always a ton of fun, educational, and uh, lots of action as well. Please join close to half a million people who have downloaded the Center Stage app on both iOS and Android for quick comps and card management features. Their app is the fastest and most accurate at card shows or at home to help you price your cards. You can build, organize, share your collection with your friends and find other collector collectors to follow using their social sharing features. Marketplace features are coming soon. Check out their Instagram account and please join me in supporting the great team and the innovation that they are undertaking at center stage. Also use protection, practice safe swaps. Veriswap is an app and middleman service that lets you securely trade your cards through the mail, every transaction up to $1 million in value is fully insured by their guarantee. Check them out on iOS and Android. Veriswap is now live in Canada and will be opening a Canadian hub very soon. They're offering $50 in free trade credit to anybody who uploads 10 hockey cards to their account. There is a referral link in the video description. I also want to shout out hobbynewsdaily.com. Check them out for daily hobby content. And I want to thank all partners, sponsors, and of course, loyal viewers and listeners. For your ongoing support, if you're not yet subscribed to the YouTube channel or the podcast, please take a moment and do so. 
And also, for the very first time tonight, Sports Cards Live is live streaming to Instagram. I don't know how it's going over there. I cannot see comments coming in from Instagram, but uh, happy to be doing that for the first time tonight. All right, let's get to tonight's guest. He started in the hobby in 1988 when his grandparents, would, who would normally buy him a chocolate bar, bought him a pack of 1987-88 Opeachy Hockey because he was enamored with that wax wrapper design. He's been active on Instagram since the beginning of the pandemic and started working at Mint Inc. and LCS in Toronto in January 2023. His favorite teams are the St. Louis Blues and the Tampa Bay Rays, his favorite athletes of all time, Patrick Waugh, Vladislav Tretiak, Eddie Olchek, Shane Corson, Jordan Binnington, and MMA fighters, Andre Orlovsky, Clay Guida, and the Korean Zombie, originally and currently hailing from Toronto, Ontario. Let's bring him out. Aton Shapiro, the sports card cartel. Welcome to Sports Cards Live. How you doing, buddy? Jeremy, can you hear me? I can hear you now. I can hear you well. Yeah. I had you hanging on a cliffhanger there, cartel style. Uh, I've got something for you, just for you, Jeremy, on this amazing, grandiose occasion. And it goes a little something like this. With the mint ink lid, don't give me no mega bid. Rocking with Jeremy Lee, the hobby MC. Have no fear. The cartel is here. Welcome to Sports Cards Live, the cartel. It's uh, it's good to have you. I mean, listen, you and I, we've known each other for a couple of years. We both set up at the Toronto Expo. We've, we've, uh, you came to my networking event at the show this past November with, uh, with our buddy, our buddy Josh. And um, listen, it's good to have you on the show. Uh, I got to admit, though, when I when I check out your story posts, they're so cryptic. I'm not really I don't know that I'm that I'm interpreting your story posts the way you want them to be. Tell us a little bit about your approach to Instagram to kick this off. Now we're going to get into your hobby history a bit. Well, that's definitely a part of the cartel allure is uh, is the uh, the 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 weird subversive and subliminal messages that I put out there. And, I'm, and of course, you're very astute, so you, uh, you noticed that. Um, a big part of what I do on Instagram, anybody that knows me knows I'm not a big fan of social media. You won't find me on very many platforms. But Instagram is appealing because of the visual element. And what I also like about it is, is the audio element. Um, a lot of people get at me regarding my musical selections. This is why I ask people to put on headphones to enhance their cartel experience. Um, I'm out there to, to, to put out information in an, in an entertaining way. I, I like to tread some of the paths that are a little bit more niche um, to let people feel welcome in that sense and feel like they've got someone that is also into some of the, some of the more, uh, you know, some of the smaller sports or, or some, of the, uh, some of the professional wrestling elements or other parts of, of the pop culture. You and I are both big collectors in that sense. So that's mostly what I'm what I'm trying to put out there um, and uh, just get people uh, enjoying something a little different, thinking about it, dropping DMs, asking questions or noticing something. I, I enjoy that. I very much enjoy that. Right on. Right on. All right. So uh, we're going to go to some comments. Welcome, everybody, to the show. Jake Dahl. Phil is here. What's going on? The professor. Dan says, a nice shirt to me. And I noticed Mitch here says, is this the first ever episode that I'm not wearing a t-shirt? I don't know if it is. I was at a holiday party uh, this evening and I was like, we ran out of there, came home, put the kid to bed 
and uh, and here I am. I didn't even have time to change my shirt. Greg, snazzy shirt. Thank you guys for noticing. I do appreciate that. Chris, what's going on? Jerry, good to see you. Al, thanks for letting me know that the feed on Instagram is working again. First time we've ever streamed live to Instagram. And by the way, I, I assume that we as a hobby community are going to start to see more and more of that as Instagram just enabled this like two days ago. So this is going to, I think we'll start to see more and more of this. And I plan to stream all my stuff onto Instagram as well. Like why not, right? Great community over on Instagram. Mike Double V, what's going on? 90s hockey, hobby champs. I guess my question is why is Cartel no longer with Coach Co? I mean, hey, people people move on and do other things. Um, I don't know if we'll get into that, but maybe we will. Mike, you bet. Slab City, welcome to the show. And name is here as well. Aton, let's jump in. I want to hear about, you told me the other day that you were one of the first sellers on eBay. Take us back, like for people that maybe weren't around in like the, what, 97, 98, 99. What do you remember from those days and what did it mean for you and continuing on now, building your, your hobby uh, presence? What did being an early eBayer lead to for you? By the way, Jeremy, um, I got to say, this is also very professional. The cartel is very impressed. I'm used to such uh, substandard uh, um, uh, forms of, of communication. And uh, I didn't know we were doing this Instagram thing for the first time. That's amazing. This is a milestone. And that's huge because Sports Cards Live is huge. Jeremy is huge. Uh, Jeremy, the interviewer who has been um, given so much praise by interviewers who right now are running unbelievably popular podcasts. I'm sure you know what I'm referring to there, Jeremy. You get kudos from the best of the best. So it's an honor to be here. Now, if mm -hmm. I can remember uh, uh, what it is you just asked me, um, uh, it, 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 it had something to do with eBay. <laughs> it had something to do with eBay. When you get me going on this, I get going on it. I generally don't talk about it too much because it certainly dates me. But I am, I am an eBay trailblazer in the truest sense of the word. Uh, I like to, to, to tell people that my early purchasing when it came to taking this a little bit beyond just a hobby, the buy, the buy, the sell, a bit more of a business. Um, I bought a lot of slabs uh, from a lot of early sellers and people that were there at that time will remember luminaries such as Keith Olbermann selling a lot of sports cards. It was very early in a slab craze. The only thing you can really compare it to is what we're going through right now. I'm talking about the, the, the late 90s. And um, it, it literally was the Wild West. Um, you could purchase used underwear from guys and girls on the eBay platform rather readily. <laughs> Not that the cartel went there. I'm just letting you know what was on there. And, um, and there was a lot of competition in bidding. And also this concept that you had a lot to, you had to trust in the process because money orders and checks were getting mailed back and forth through Canada and the United States. Literally uh, my first sale was a money order that I received. So it was literally an education in banking payments and transactions. And uh, a lot of people talk about how kids are getting into it these days and hopefully doing the right things and having a bit of an education in business that way. But uh, yeah, it, it literally was, uh, it was wild because everything that we're seeing now, I'm so used to, people will be saying, well, it, was, it was, certainly wasn't like this six, seven years ago, but it was like this back in the late 90s. 
There was hot and heavy bidding on Mark McGuire slabbed rookie cards. There was hot and heavy uh, reactions uh, to, to Sammy Sosa's big season. There was prospecting going on. People were paying uh, uh, big money for, for, for prospects that were coming out in mass produced sets as rookie cards. Um, but we're talking about uh, a very big era in baseball and it was reflected on eBay. eBay was very lucky to be up and running in that era and it just took off as the biggest platform and I kind of got to watch it happen. So I have a, I have a great perspective on, on eBay and I actually have this love hate relationship with it. I do love it. There's so much I hate these days about, you know, fees. Nobody likes fees. I don't have that much to bad to say the naysayers of eBay these days. I remind them you can control your experience. Okay. Most, the 90% of what I do is buy now best offer. You can set requirements for bidders, right? People sometimes don't know this and they get a bad experience, right? I, and people tend to talk about the bad experiences. The cartel shows up on those threads and defends eBay because I, I do have an affinity for this uh, amazing platform that, uh, that changed the game. Yeah. Brought I mean, us to where we are today. Tons of eyeballs on there for sure. I, you know, I, I learned this recently that eBay got its biggest sort of push at the beginning from Beanie Babies. And I think that, you know, that that's great. That's, but I think it's like collectibles, sports cards, among some other things that really carried it through some of those earlier years. And here we are today and it's an absolute beast. Of course, I like Dan's vintage here says Instagram is going to expect a fancy shirt now for every show. They're not going to get it, Dan, but I appreciate Appreciate that. Chris C. Sellers are also unreasonable. Listing for $20 or best offer non-auction gets an offer of 15 then seller gets offended. Yeah, I mean, hey, everybody's different, right? We, we It's hard to put your expectations on other people. MSG, welcome to the show, Chris. 90s hockey, oh, the money order era. Yeah, lots of people making comments like James Fertitta. I used to send cash in an envelope yep. back in the day. Yeah, imagining money orders today. Hobby Champs remembers receiving checks for eBay sales, even cash. He started there in 04. Bobby Burrell, the good old days of 80 oh, watchers and geez. 40 bids on items in the early eBay years. Yes. Jerry Hotch, proud member since 98. Hockey cardboard got 500 USD cash in the mail. Like no one's sending, very few people send cash in the mail anymore. Greg Cohn, I remember the old days of eBay business when I had to store, when I had my store in the mid to early mid to late 90s turbo lister that's right and msg bought his first hockey card in 99 yeah a long time ago um it's crazy what what ebay has really done to uh really connect the hobby and i think that a lot of that aton has to also gave rise to grading because now all of a sudden you're buying cards from people across the world sight unseen who's going to trust a seller to tell you what condition it is in and that's what really i believe blew up the grading part of our industry. Let's move on. Instagram. Obviously, Instagram is a big community for the hobby. It's really grown in the past five or so years. Uh, when and why did you start your Instagram account? Uh, by the way, I came this close to putting on a blazer, Jeremy, and we would have just been the spiffiest Oof. of all time. It's it's almost like I anticipated you were going to be um, gussied up for the cartel. So, so I, I, This is all for it. you. This is all for you. And it's better than a bathrobe. That also was in the mix. At a certain point, the bathrobe was in the mix. Um, but there's always a danger of the bathrobe opening. Um, remind me again where we were at, Jeremy. Instagram. I just want to know, like, you know, you, you, we talked about it a bit earlier, how you approach your story posts. But yep. 
Tell us how we, we've heard now about how eBay helped you grow to where you are today. How is Insta, when did you join Instagram and how has it helped you build your, your hobby persona, your hobby experience? I was dragged kicking and screaming into Instagram, uh, very resistant as I am to most new technology and trends out there. Cartel's kind of stuck in, in 1996, sort of. Um, but uh, again, I instantly saw the value in it and I had enough people in my life telling me you have to do this. Um, it's, it's, it's a visual platform that makes sense for cards and collectibles. A lot of people that visit the uh, Casa de la Cartel uh, notice that it is it is almost like a museum full of collectibles and interesting artifacts, all sorts of oddball items. Um, and I was inspired by several accounts that I was sort of following before I did anything major. I wanted to kind of get a feel for what I wanted to do and how to do it by following some of those accounts. Uh, so I didn't just want to look at cards. I didn't want to see the typical. There are some beautiful, I mean, MSG is here with us. He, he runs a beautiful feed where he features cards, you know, individually and with amazing backdrops and fantastic production value that Cartel cannot comprehend with his 1990s brain. It's just not there yet. But uh, I wanted to also incorporate that. The fact that, you know, I was becoming uh, an old man that had missed out on how to truly use this technology. And I love music, like a lot. Uh, I have a huge record collection. I, I am a, a huge, as big of a, a music nerd as I am a collectibles nerd. And it was just being able to fuse that, have fun with it. I was having a lot of trouble with the way that we locked down in Canada mentally. Um, and it, and this was, a, this was something that helped a lot. Um, not only was I connecting with the local community, I was, again, bringing it back to MSG, he's out in California. It's, I, I was connecting with people all over the world. And um, a lot of a lot of early content, your, your show, um, I'm going to say it, the, the cardboard page itself um, made it interesting and exciting. And, and then the last piece of it all, uh, other than, you know, having something to do during the pandemic and, and enjoying showing off uh, items and sharing music with people, um, you know, in addition to that, it was almost feeling a responsibility to get some information out, let people be privy to a, uh, uh, an eye that was critical in a healthy way, maybe sometimes not so healthy. Uh, I will cop to some of my early, um, you know, uh, some of my early overstepping, um, I will cop to that. But I wanted to give people information and help them because there were so many new people entering the hobby. It's the hobby that I love. I feel like you also know this. We have a responsibility as OGs to help people out when it comes to navigating what is actually a really complicated network system of a hobby. And to this day, and through the new digs, I continue to do that and make that a priority. Before we get into the new digs, and I want to hear more about that, I want to I want to get your thoughts and your personal experiences, just a little bit of how it's helped you, uh, you know, develop yourself again in the hobby. But setting up at card shows, I, I remember, I remember, I knew you through really, I knew you just through Instagram, and then I remember coming to your booth right beside right beside Josh at uh, at the expo, and uh, 
and we chatted and it was nice to see you and shake hands for the first time. And, you know, and, and since then we've been friends. Um, how has setting up at shows, what do you like about it? What, any, any like kind of non-conventional advice you would want to give people? Do you encourage setting up at shows? How, how has it helped you just speak a little bit about setting up at shows? If you don't mind. I mean, shows themselves, such an important part of the experience in a community builder, uh, that said, just the the idea of look, what are we doing? We're we're essentially running pop up shops. You and I are right, and you you take your show on the road. You're all over North America doing that. And when I was a kid, it was like garage sales, right? And uh, from there, a lot of the local businesses. When I was growing up, I would help them set up like at mall shows, and I just loved it. I loved the fast pace, all the people coming through the wheeling and dealing, uh, people bringing things in, um, just talking shop it, like we're doing right now is such a big element in all of this. Um, it's definitely now taken on uh, even more of an impact uh, these days, post-pandemic era, because everything's growing, everything's so much bigger. I mean, it is so much bigger. If, if you and I are thinking back to even 2015, I like to think back to the 2015 show where they were debuting series one, and uh, we thought that was big. And I mean, we've 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 doubled from there, I, I would think. And well, each show seems to be bigger and bigger. And I, I even can remember when when the double rookie class in 0506 came out in hockey with Crosby and Ovechkin and how how pumped up the room was back then. That's 10 years before the 15, 16 year, which is of course the McDavid year for those that don't know. So it's like the hobby kind of goes in these waves that followed these generational players when they come out. And now, of course, we've gotten hockey at least. And we're talking about the Expo in Toronto, which is easily the second biggest show in the world. And maybe the, you know, some would argue the best show because, you know, I, I know some people that come up from this state to, to the Expo and they think it's the, it's their favorite show overall. But listen, uh, I'm a little biased. It's my, I call it my home show because it's, you know, it's, it's not in my backyard. It's a four hour plane ride away for me. Right. But it's still, you know, my home country, at least. I do love it. And I hear what you're saying um, that, you know, it's uh, even back in 15, it wasn't nearly as big as it is now. Obviously, the hobby's grown over, over the last five years quite a bit. But I'm with you. It's an integral part of the experience of being a hobbyist. And when I've when I've in the past seen people say, you know, oh, you don't need to go to shows. Well, no, you don't need to. Of course you don't. But you're missing out if you don't. And I encourage that people go to shows, regional, national. Uh, international, whatever it is, you're yep. gonna you're, you're gonna do a lot of what some some of these comments I'm gonna read in a moment speak. We're speaking to Instagram, but they apply to going to shows as well. So let's get to some of those, and then we'll go on to our next topic. Jeff McMahon, welcome to the show. Uh, Matt says, you know, happy holidays, Aton. It was a pleasure to talk uh, with you about '90s inserts, cards. Ah, it's a slog to find positivity in the hobby sometimes. So appreciate what you both do. And here, MSG says. The journey of Instagram was fun. I found myself following pages of 90s hockey cards and after hockey card pages kept popping up, my girlfriend had me create my own page and logo. That's great. But this is the comment right here. Instantly made awesome connections all over North America, Australia, which was simply amazing. You make these connections online. You also make them in person. And Eitan, I got to tell you, I can know you through Instagram because of your cartel brand and some dms and maybe some back and forth in the comments but until you meet somebody in person you don't take it to that next level and that's when 
the relationships, you know, you shake hands for the first time. That's so much better to me than just DMs on social media. So that's why I, I, I think social media is great, but being in person, meeting each other, even better. Matthew here says the IG has been wonderful in helping us connect like-minded collectors. No doubt about it for sure. Um, I don't know what this means. Jay says, is this part of the Iron Curtain surrounding the hobby, the gatekeeper? I don't know what, what Jay means about that. Do you? We could talk about it. Uh, I mean, I'm assuming by gatekeeper, uh, he's referring very specifically to something a, a quote-unquote hobby influencer mentioned in terms of, it's kind of like what I mentioned earlier, the responsibility of helping usher in you know, new entrants and um, expose them to a certain type of information, which is going to depend on the individual, right? Um, now, the Iron Curtain part, uh, I'm not sure. I, maybe they're talking about some sort of elitism. I, I'm not sure. Um, it's, it's maybe the concept of um, trying to keep the hobby difficult and mystical versus being just very open about it. And I think most people, that's, that's what they want to see rather than trying to make it seem exclusive i'm assuming that's what they were talking about um but you know what what i was going to follow up on in terms of what you're talking about with the connections right it's 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 not it's it's meeting the individual people you you are excellent at this i mean you've organized these these get-togethers at the expo for the past few years now um and you're excellent at uh giving attention to every individual and meeting people you you prioritize that that's amazing the cartel it's a little difficult. The cartel is very manic. Uh, anyone who's seen me at a show, I am going a thousand miles an hour. I'm running on caffeine and all sorts of other stuff that you may not know about. You might not want to know about. You might not want your kids to know about when I'm dealing with them. But I'm always putting forth the best effort, uh, the best face. I got to admit, like, you know, there's there's a lot of DMs. There's meeting a lot of people. The wider I cast my net of um, stories, like you mentioned, of obscurity, the wider I cast that net the more people I'm bringing in. And unfortunately, I fail many times at, you know, uh, recognizing people or being able to put one, two and two together. It's something I really want to work on. I hope people aren't hard on the cartel when I seem like I'm being ditzy, although there is a bit of a ditzy element to me, but but uh, it's difficult, it becomes difficult. You seem to manage it very well. Uh, that's inspirational to me. And also don't forget the content, like your content and, and certain other uh, content, um, there's one page in particular that just so emphasized collecting and got me to think to myself during the pandemic, okay, what am I doing with this money? Um, I, cause I keep wanting to do this thing that everyone's doing. I, I don't want to do it. What I really want to do is get a Gene Simmons rookie card in the highest grade possible. And that's what I did. And I'm, I'm proud of some of the moves I made uh, at a time when things were crazy and there was so much competition. Other people wanted that Gene Simmons card that wouldn't have wanted it 10 years ago or five years ago. Or maybe even right now. But um, but I found the content inspirational too uh, from people, right? And, and like, you know, I, I became such good friends with electric cards that I entered some of his breaks and I'm generally not a break guy. Uh, I, I'm all about um, the fact that breaks are necessary and important actually in the hobby at this point. But during the pandemic, it was a new, it was a new concept and a guy managed to get me, you know, going uh, with something that I, I was I was initially backing away from. And it was yeah. a good experience. So it was amazing. It was, it was an amazing time period for, like you said, meeting people, uh, making those connections like MSG mentioned. This might as well be like Jeremy Lee, the cartel and MSG collectibles, apparently. But um, 
uh, yeah, you you're, uh, just just wanted to expand on that and and talk about you know the content and uh, and the community. Yeah, no, I, I appreciate it. a lot, lot. Lots of good stuff there. It is it is a really good community. And you know, back to that gatekeeping comment, I think that where that comment that uh, JH uh, and welcome to the show, Jay says, is this part of the Iron Curtain surrounding the hobby, the gatekeeper? First of all, I don't think there is an Iron Curtain surrounding the hobby. I don't know if there are or are not gatekeepers. I know that I, I try to be inclusive and, uh, you know, welcome anybody who wants to be in the hobby uh, to it. Uh, that's kind of been, I don't know, something that I think is important that we do if we want to see this hobby grow and continue to be a going concern for all of us and, and others. So, uh, you know, be inclusive, you know, w- with people. If, 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 you know, if you're at a tr- local trade night or you're at a card show or whatever, and there's somebody standing by themselves, there's somebody just kind of on their own who maybe, maybe they're, they have some social anxiety, like just mosey on up to them and ask to look at their cards. Like just talk to people, make them feel like they're part of the community because that's one thing that this hobby has that a lot of people don't, can't find anywhere else, which is camaraderie. Because we all have sports cards in common. As much as we may not agree with each other, even like each other, that's fine. But people who are maybe a bit more reclusive, more introverted, like say hi to them. Welcome, you know, welcome them into the hobby. Deep Value Investor says, I'm wearing sunglasses next time. This guy is great. Very good. Stick with Sam says hello to the cartel. Sam. Cards AH. I appreciate the comment that the hobby is complex and intricate. There's so much to learn and understand. And sometimes I think there's not enough support to help people enter the hobby safely. And that's why you have to pick and choose what content you're consuming, podcasts you're listening to, YouTube channels you are subscribing to. And, um, you know, just uh, learn by experience, I would say. Uh, Mitch says, as an American, I take one expo over two nationals. Mitch loves the expo for sure. And here, MSG is calling out several people. Uh, not not calling out. I don't mean it like that. I mean, just mentioning a few people that they have met through the hobby. And I think that, that that's awesome. Um, Signed and Slabbed, who was a guest on the show just a few weeks ago. I met Cartel on IG. Then I met him in person. And yeah, turns out we're twins. When you guys met in, in person, Aton, was that at the National just this past year? Because I remember if it was... I then saw you both at that one networking event on the Saturday night, and I, I think we all took a picture together, and I got to got to meet you maybe early on when you first met Mister Signed and Slabbed. Yeah, we we rocked out at the casino. Um, yeah, no, uh, Signed and Slabbed was a part of a, uh, um, a a conglomerate. I like to call it because I just associate these gentlemen with one another. Uh, I, I I I was lucky enough to have breakfast with them. And at the same time, be across from Pancake Analytics eating pancakes. This was a huge 2023 highlight. I will tell you that. Um, but yes, uh, signed and slabbed. Um, we we met for the first time at the national. It was awesome. That's a great example of like speaking to someone for for such a long period of time, um, feeling like they're as much of a friend as someone who's in your city, and then you finally meet them. Right. So that 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 was awesome. Um, he's a great guy. He's also a wealth of knowledge. Um, just quickly getting back, I might be remiss, Jeremy, if I don't talk a little bit more about this gatekeeper concept. And, and again, I, if, if, if I'm understanding what this gentleman said, I don't know if he was accusing us of being gatekeepers or something, but, um, 
there, there are people that kind of self-proclaim themselves. They do. And uh, oftentimes, and especially lately, uh, a lot of the uh, the bigger names, when I say bigger names, you know, these are people with, with large followings, whether they be organic. I, I'm proud of my organic following. You very much have an organic following as well, Jeremy. Uh, whether they're organic or otherwise, they have a large following. They suddenly have a lot of influence, quote unquote, in that sense. And like I said, it's about the way that they're presenting the information, um, how they're presenting the information. Um, cartel very early on in my Instagram journey, I was very much a pushback individual, it, it, which is to say highly critical, keeping an eye out for, for any instances where people drop the ball because I, I took it so personally. I took it so personally that, that, you know, we were in a state and it was a state of flux for the hobby. If we have eras, we, we, we just went through a massive era where our hobby grew, which is great for the most part. Um, but it opened the door to, to a lot of, uh, misbehavior, I'll call it. We've all been through it. I don't need to start, you know, going through each individual thing. Um, I did find, however, that that suddenly became like a cottage industry in the hobby, pushing back and channels were popping up just to push back. You know what I'm talking about, Jeremy. I've appeared on some of these channels. I got a following with some of these people. I'm now on the outs with some of these people because it got so over the top and ridiculous and negative that it goes out the other end. Um, you're suddenly now questioning everything. MSG put up a bunch of names there. Uh, you know, I think, again, this I'm not just picking on this per a person. It's just that he mentioned the name. But Mama Breaks is a wonderful individual. I've had nothing but good interactions with her on Instagram. She seems lovely. When it got to the point where people started finding finding issues with her, and just digging for it, and it wasn't obvious on the surface, I said to myself, I'm hanging out with the wrong group, or not necessarily hanging out with, but being followed by the wrong group. Um, it's about recognizing and showing off the good in the hobby and really talking about it and putting it out there front and center, but it's also about being aware. And when I say being aware, that doesn't mean going out and picking on every little thing coming up with a, a theory on everything, you know, like this, this such and such has a loaded box when we're talking about a hobby that has a lot of randomization involved in it on a shop level. I see the things happen that people say can only happen one way. People make these proclamations. Um, so it's like, it's like I said, that's the summary is to, to be aware of that sort of thing. Talk about it when it's appropriate. I'm going to, I'm going to say some things people don't like to hear, or they may not have known, but, or I'm reminding you, like there's a run of Connor McDavid future watch autograph rookie cards by a certain grading company. Um, that starts that, that rhymes with, um, kick it, kick it. Um, and, and kick it. I don't know what that is, but there's a whole run of those cards that are slabbed and have been known to be trimmed. Right. Like, and if you start picking on this thing and, and, and talking about it over and over again, I mean, it becomes a very negative thing for all of us because like yeah. something that, that kind of uh, sullies the whole thing. But the fact is that's an outlier. So we got to focus on the good, put it out in front and be aware of, of certain things. Uh, if people ask questions, I want to be honest about it. Um, but I want to be less about getting on every little thing trying to find things there's so many like you know it would be great if someone put together a reel 
not only of all the bad things that happened, they shouldn't do that anyway, but if they want to go for it, I mean, there are entities out there that do that, but how about putting a reel out of all the, the, uh, the misconceptions, the assumptions and the things that were not as they seem, because there's a lot of those as well. I don't have to start listing those either. Um, but people will never cop to that. They don't want to go back to that, but I've seen it because the cartel as an organization, I'm keeping an eye out. Right. Right. Yeah. I mean, listen, I hear what you're saying. And I think, uh, you know, I like to put a, I like to highlight the positive in the hobby, but by that, I just mean the people, like the people that are, they're in the hobby that enjoy it for what it is. And, uh, and at the same time, you know, if you're aware of a run of certain cards that are maybe trimmed, it is important to let people know about them so that, so that they're not left holding the bag. I want to go to a couple more comments and then, and then Leighton Sheldon from vintage breaks and just collect is going to join us for the vintage spotlight, which we do every Saturday night on the show. He's in the green room right now. Leighton, we'll bring you out in just a minute. Thank you for being here. Uh, Phil says there's a group of people who now look forward to Jack Astor's. That's where I hold my networking event at the Thursday night expo twice a year in person. All the way is a great way to do it. Hockey cards hangover says card shows are the most important part of our journey as hobbyists. I think that's a, an, that's an interesting comment. I'm not going to disagree with it. I see Layton's shade nodding his head in the back too. Jerry says there's so many different areas in the hobby. How can anyone claim to be a gatekeeper for everyone? And what I want to add to that comment is that our social media world, our Instagram community, the YouTube community, the Twitter community, as large as they are, they're not the whole hobby. Some people seem to think that the whole hobby lives on Instagram. Trust us when we tell you it does not. And I just know this from talking to people who are not on Instagram. There's plenty of people who are not on social media as much as we are, as much as some of us are. Uh, Jay says we were in a pump era. Now we are in a dump era. Great for buying. I mean, yeah, cards are cheaper now than they've been in, uh, in several years. So it is Definitely a good time to be buying relative to the past, but we cannot comment on what the future will hold. Phil wants to hear Cartel's opinion on some uh, WWF e-cards. We will get to that a little bit later. Phil, Bobby Burrell, many of my best friends are today are people I've met in the hobby from the 90s to today. Same here, Bobby. That's a wonderful thing. Bobby's among them. I mean, Bobby, Bobby is someone that I used to think, oh, he's like a... Bobby's like this guy. He's written the books. He knows all about the vintage. Maybe one day I'll get to meet him. And now, like, you know, I consider Bobby a friend, which is, uh, you know, just that's what the hobby does for you. I'm seeing these interesting notifications I've never seen before from Twitter saying people are joining. So anyone who's watching on Twitter, welcome to Sports Cards Live on Twitter. Appreciate having you. And again, we are live on Instagram for the very first time ever here on Sports Cards Live. A collector's dream, Orlando. Welcome to the show. Good to have you. And with that, let's bring out Leighton Sheldon for the Vintage Spotlight segment. Leighton, welcome to the show. Please meet Aton. Aton, please meet Leighton. How are you, Leighton? Good. Thanks for having me, Jeremy. Nice to uh, meet you, Aton. Nice to meet you too, Leighton. I'm, I'm sorry I don't have a poem for you as well, but maybe maybe next time uh, I'll have a poem prepared for you. He at, came, least, uh, at least by the the mark the uh, you know the spring expo that'll be good enough. I'll be up there. Absolutely, there you go. Aton came with a poem for me, uh, Leighton, and I got to tell you, uh, he he made me blush. Um, all right, guys, welcome to the to the vintage spotlight segment with Leighton Sheldon. Just collect vintage breaks. Check out his podcast, Trading Card Therapy. The doctor 
is in, as he likes to say, not to be confused with trading card therapist, completely <laughs> different podcast. I just say that to be clear. Leighton, welcome to the show. And let's start off with this. I always ask our guest to come with a question for Leighton. Leighton, you are a you consider yourself a professional baseball card treasure hunter. That's what I let our guests know. And with that, I asked Aton to come with a question for you. Aton, please lay your question on to Leighton. I, I love that, by the way. I love that. That, that, that What are we doing? We are pursuing treasures, especially in the overall collectibles realm. Jeremy is a treasure hunter, but if you are the baseball card hunter, you are the Mandalorian of baseball cards. I took a look. Um, it's inspiring to me, actually. And I'm sure we're going to get back to Mint Inc. at some point, Jeremy. But, you know, a big part of what I have started doing with them and will be doing a lot of in 2024 is getting out there and actually hunting down vintage collections. Uh, I mean, any collection, but we are kind of focusing on vintage in that sense. Um, Leighton is obviously already doing the thing and successfully. Um, this may be kind of for you. I don't know. This 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 might be kind of a blase question, but uh, I did, you know, I love talking about rating, especially lately, because it's a conversation that keeps coming up. It comes up at shows. It comes up at the shop. As you are doing transaction and noticing, you know, 90% of what you're dealing with are in these plastic encasements, um, it comes up a lot. So I've got an opinion on something. And before I even get into it, I want your opinion on it. So as someone who deals with vintage stuff, it's very important to get it graded, not only for grading purposes, but authentication, right? Um, protection, you know, verifying things. Um how do you feel the grading companies are dealing with vintage? And when I say vintage, obviously, you know, it's funny. Someone told me vintage is now 80s. And, you know, I felt extremely old, obviously. But I also kind of laughed at it because in my mind, we're still talking mass production. But anyway, uh, we're all old guys. What are we going to do? Um, I would say like 69 and before. I just like to say 69. I'm going to say it again, 69. But before 69... That to me is probably what we're talking about when we say vintage. Um, how do you feel grading companies? I just did a bunch of grading when it comes to 50s and 60s are handling vintage cards in the post pandemic era. Are you noticing anything or am I making something out of nothing? And then I also want to know how you feel about the fact that AI grading is a concept now that we've sort of dealt we've we've dove into as a hobby. Will that be relevant? Because one would think should be a bit more of a human touch with vintage stuff, but will it be relevant? How can it be relevant? How can it fit in? There you go. Well, I appreciate you, uh, you know, coming to the show uh, with some questions. And as far as your own treasure hunting goes, I wish you the best of luck and I'll see you out on the battlefield. Um, <laughs> we may. So anyway, joke, joking aside, Etan. Um, so as far as grading in my own personal experience, and you brought up, you showed some slabs just a minute ago, so as much as I handle a lot of graded cards, I really do handle probably even more ungraded. Uh, and so I feel like the question you're asking is a good one for me because I grade a lot of vintage cards, uh, mainly for full transparency here, mainly with PSA and SGC. I have used some other services as well. Um, and just to kind of get right to the point, I feel, and Nat, if you're listening, I'm happy to have a discussion with you, but you can look at my orders from PSA. You know what the scoop is. Uh, I feel that on high-end vintage, uh, PSA has been, I'll say it like this, conservative. Uh, and the grading has been tight. And I feel that when I grade a vintage card with SGC, 
at least of late, of the higher end or even middle of the road, it is a little bit more consistent. And as someone who's going out and buying ungraded, I'm sure that all the folks who are listening to your show today can appreciate all I really want is to be able to predict accurately so that if I buy a 1963 Tops Pete Rose and I think it's a five, that it doesn't come back a two. And to be fair, I'm also not expecting a seven. So um, that is what I think is going on with uh, vintage grading with at least the, the two major companies that I deal with. And as far as AI goes, I hope that it works. I don't know much about AI and I don't want to pretend that I do. I understand, I've heard, you know, I'm familiar with Scott, uh, who's in charge of uh, the training at PSA and their program there. Uh, I've heard some of the rumblings, of course, at TAG at Jeremy's company uh, about AI. And in general, I'm all for it. And folks sometimes are surprised. And for me, it's very simple. I want people to understand when they sell me cards what they have. And when people want to buy cards from me, I also want them to understand what they have. So to me, if you can get rid of some of that ambiguity and that uncertainty in the marketplace, I ultimately think it's going to be better for everybody, the end user, the consumer, the investor, the dealer, and it's going to make the entire card ecosystem better. Right. So I, I just, I just wanna, want to say you confirmed just, my thoughts. You really did. Let me just uh, interject quickly when because you mentioned TAG and you mentioned AI. I want to make, for anybody listening, um, I just want to clarify that TAG does not use AI. TAG is, oh, uses- I didn't realize that, Jeremy. Oh, yeah. And that's, it's a common misconception. I just want to take the opportunity to, to, to clear it up with you in the audience. TAG uses what TAG refers to as automated grading versus AI grading. So I can't speak to what AI is going to bring to the hobby as far as grading either. But I can, you know, have a better idea about what automated grading, computerized, automated, whatever you want to call it that way, grading does bring. So, um you know, AI is a whole other beast is my understanding. I'm no expert when it comes to AI. We have the professor in the chat and the professor works in AI uh, in his day to day. So, you know, follow the professor on Instagram to maybe learn a little bit more about that. Just a couple of quick comments here. Uh, Dan here says that he absolutely 100% agrees with Leighton and SGC's consistency. Uh, David signed and slabbed. SGC was far more consistent, especially with pre-war in the green flip era than PSA was. Good to hear they'll still they're still consistent now. To me, that's the most important thing when it comes to grading is consistency. And unfortunately, I haven't seen that to date. That's what I love about tag grading is it's it's you know consistent. That's that's the biggest thing that it brings. Well, I won't say it that way. That is something that tag certainly brings to the table. But tag doesn't do vintage, and we're talking about vintage right now. So let's go now to Layton. Layton, did you happen to come with any question you had for Aton for myself? Anything or or if not, anything that you wanted to talk about from a vintage perspective? Uh, well, the first uh, thing I wanted to ask Aton really was about. You know, it seems like you've been in the hobby for a while and I've, you know, always enjoyed the expo. And I think, uh, you know, Jeremy kind of sent me a little bit about your bio. You've kind of been, you know, involved in a lot of different things with cards. And I'm just curious, purely for what I do and love uh, for both work as well as, you know, I'm hoping to get some great things out of these treasure hunts from my collection. What's the coolest or the best collection you've ever had walk into your store that you worked at, a shop? that you've either just been at, meaning you didn't work there, or a convention that you were either at, working the table, et cetera, because I always love to hear those kinds of things. 
Yeah, that, and, and that's uh, that, that's an interesting question. It gets me thinking when, when you think of the amount of years and the amount of events and, and incidents, if they are an incident, um, there's a lot to rifle through. Uh, but um, there's a lot there. And, and a lot of what I saw and experienced, particularly in the mid to late 90s, is the stuff that's very mythological. And I like that as a cartel because never forget a car- the cartel is an organization steeped in tradition and history and with eyes all over to stay on top of the prize. Now, um, I actually uh, worked, when I say worked, I was a young kid helping out at several stores uh, in the United States during certain summers. I was there when a near complete set of the first Imperial Tobacco hockey card set which for me as a kid at the time, by the way, was like um, the unearthing of like the Holy Grail or like some of those like, you know, like an Indiana Jones type of, of treasure trove that you, that didn't seem real until you had it in front of you. Uh, the way that it was acquired was unfortunate. I think that, again, if you think back to the 90s, guys, it was kind of a Wild West in, in the hobby scene. There was this boom. People became aware of cards because of things like the Griffey or in, or in our neck of the woods, the Brett Hall rookie card. Mm. Um, but uh, people started realizing there was some value and individuals without a lot of knowledge started selling their cards. And uh, again, I was just a kid at the time. I was not involved in the transaction, but the person who, who gave up that collection was elderly and it, and it did not go well. And quite frankly, that helped me. Uh, gain perspective on the hobby as a young kid. But anyways, it, it got into the hands of, of a store. We can talk about ethics till we're blue in the face, but it fit the ethics of the time, I suppose. The individual did receive some money, but the but the reality is that the collection, which again was a near set, gorgeous, they actually went into GAI slabs um, wow. at the time. Do you? I don't know if you guys remember no, GAI. I know GAI, sure. Before there was an HGA in the pandemic era, there was a GAI in the in the first slab era, um, and uh, and it, it popped up in a lot of digests and collectors magazines, and it was amazing to be able to flip through them and uh, and be in their presence. Uh, as of late, uh, working at the Mint Ink shop, um, we are putting more of an emphasis. Uh, a lot of people bring in individual cards. They want to do small deals, small trades, etc. And they also weren't aware that vintage is something that, um, you know, a card shop in the GTA would be interested in. You don't see it in the display cases. You just don't. Um, we had a guy bring in a collection uh, from spanning the 60s to the 80s, all OPG, but not just hockey. There was baseball included. And uh, uh, baseball, sure. I'm sure Leighton knows, you know, 60s OPG baseball is not everywhere. Um, there was a Nolan Ryan rookie card uh, and it was fantastic. The, the gentleman was it was a collection by a collector. And I love seeing those because it was it was carefully curated. Not all curators come to Canada and talk smack about our beloved expo. Some curators curate excellent collections intelligently. Um, he kept the majority of it in binders. We came to a fair deal where everyone was happy. We took on a lot of work taking on a collection like that. It was about sorting through it, figuring out what was worth grading, figuring out what sets were worth keeping. Those old WHA sets, Jeremy, you know, those don't pop up complete. We had great success with those. 
A lot of people thought that was just like, ah, so you happen to get some extra WHA sets. No, 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 no. That was some of our best success. And, and it was a ton of fun. I love collections like that. I love seeing it uh, curated highly and loved. Um, and uh, yeah, I would say those are the, that, that's the most recent one. And then, of course, that imp Imperial Tobacco experience was a, a, an, an old, old school one. Well, I appreciate you sharing me. You really are tugging at my heartstrings there. I love vintage Opeachy baseball. I certainly know how tough, you know, tough and, and difficult it is to not only just find, but certainly to find in high grade. So I appreciate you sharing. Well, listen, I have I have for you a five row mega box full of a lot of the uh, quote unquote base slash commons that are, as I call them, creamy and crispy available at the minting shop. If you ever want to take a flip through. I've had some people make offers and I, Leighton would appreciate. I'm not about to give up a five row of, of OPG baseball cards for a couple hundred bucks, but uh, yeah. Well, we'll try to work something out. I like that. There we go. You're going to have to make your way up to Toronto, Leighton, maybe, maybe for the next expo. Are you coming up to the next expo? It's already on my calendar. I've already cleared, you know, the runway. It doesn't matter if I plane, train or automobile. I'm getting there, Jeremy. Oh, I got that's awesome. There. Make sure you're there on Thursday. Come to my uh, my networking event Thursday oh, night. Of I'll course. make sure I'm there for that. Yeah, you, you. you got to be there for sure. All right. Well, hey, this was, this was this was great. I great conversation between the two of you on the vintage spotlight segment, Saturday night's regular appearance by Leighton Sheldon, Vintage Breaks and Just Collect, his podcast trading card therapy. Leighton, anything you'd like to mention before you hop off? Uh, so Jeremy, just clarify with me next Saturday, are we going to do a show with it being, you know, Christmas weekend? I didn't know if you're going to do that. Uh, good question. The answer is, uh, yes, it is. The next Saturday is the 23rd. We have a, we have a show booked. Yeah. I have a guest booked and everything. Great. So I'm just going to say this. It's the holiday season at my parents' house. I'm feeling very nostalgic. This is all where my baseball, my baseball card love started. So what I'd like to do, um, we'll talk about it more, Jeremy, how to promote it, but it's very simple. I'm going to give away $500 to my Just Collect store. So it's personal. It's not, you know, through Vintage Breaks. It's really not even through Just Collect. It's going to be me personally giving it. We're going to give this to one member of the community. And what they're going to be able to do, Jeremy, is they're going to be able to take $500 and they can use it towards any cards they want. So if they want to buy one graded card, Great. If they want to buy a few cards, great. If they want to use that $500 to something a little bit more expensive, I'd be happy to oblige. But really, uh, I'm just very appreciative and grateful that really after graduating college in 2000, when a baseball card industry certainly didn't exist the way it does today, that I'm able to, quote unquote, make a living doing this. Uh, very happy to be here on the show, Jeremy. Awesome to meet you, Aton, and looking forward to next Saturday. So if you want a chance to win, Jeremy, we could talk about it, but it's the least I could do well, for a community that I love. Yeah, that's that. Uh, as Mike Double V says, very generous, Leighton. And before you go, I just want to mention because we've got people watching on Instagram, we got people watching on Twitter, and I just want to let everybody know if you want to be able to win that prize, the late or that that gift prize, whatever you want to call it, that Leighton just put up. You're going to have to watch on YouTube or on Facebook. I This show streams to the Facebook page and the Facebook group uh, because the comments will have to come in. You will enter during the episode of Sports Cards Live next Saturday night, and your comment will be your entry. That's the way That's the way we, have, we do giveaways here on the show. So uh, be sure to 
come to the YouTube channel next Saturday uh, to win during the Vintage Spotlight segment. Our guest is a gentleman by the name of Stephen Ho, and Leighton will join us at his usual time. Leighton, thanks so much. That, that's, that was news to me, and I'm, I'm uh, really grateful that you're offering that to, to our audience here. And uh, that's wonderful. So thank you. Have a great week leading up to the Christmas weekend. And uh, we'll, see, we'll, we'll talk to you this week. Absolutely. Happy holidays, everybody. Thanks, Leighton. And, and right, Jeremy, well. I want to say that that offer is void uh, amongst cartels and organized crime and also Quebec. <laughs> yeah, not eligible in the province of Quebec, which is not true. Sorry, it Quebec. Is. No, <laughs> Montreal, not even. Not even. Uh, it will be, though. It will be. But that's pretty That's pretty funny. Okay. There's some comments I want to get to. But first, I wanted to... Uh, actually, no. We're going to do the comments first. And then we're going to talk about what, you, what, what about Mint Inc. And your experiences there. And what, what Mint Inc. is all about. Uh, Chris C. here said, Cards went up too fast, too quickly. The hobby needed a gradual rise over time. It's a great time now. And collectors were, will benefit. I, I agree with that. I agree. I agree with everything that uh, that Chris C said right there. Uh, Bobby, you agree? Absolutely. Chris C knows what he's talking about. There's a nice little summation, actually. Yeah. Bobby says PSA has so many more graders today. The law of averages makes for more inconsistencies. And I think that that's reasonable. Like, I think that that's reasonable. And us as a hobby just have to understand and be cognizant of these effects of growth. Simple and decentralization as they open up more offices. Colin Murray says PSA is overgrading. I feel that it is making it difficult to sell. He's pivoting to SGC. Interesting. Interesting. Hobby champs. I believe vintage is technically around 30 years. So plus 30 years ago at the minimum. I think the trading card hobby, we need to adapt an era terminology that our instinct to use the term vintage to only describe. Yeah, it's going to be hard to find consensus on that. You said, I heard what you said, Aton, and to me, I consider vintage, for me at least, up to 89. I'm not putting that on anybody else. I consider 80s vintage because it's just like the packs, the gum, the the format of, of distribution was the same in the 50s, 60s, 70s, and 80s. And then the 90s, you've got foil wraps, and you've got, you got new paper stock, and you've got holograms. But listen, we don't need to get into that debate. But wait, right but Jeremy, let's use our big hobby brains and come up with a system like they have in comic books, where they have a golden age, a silver age, a bronze age, and a modern age. Happy, I'm sure I, we I, can find qualifiers. Yeah, no, I'd be happy. I, I would. I agree with Hobby Champs, and I agree with you. And I would like to find something other than just vintage, modern, ultra modern, because vintage is a moving target. And well, they're all moving targets, actually. Tim Larson, good to see you, Tim. Been a while. Says collect what makes you happy. I have a large group of sports cards and memorabilia, comic books, vintage signs, and old beer cans. I'm surrounded by them and they all make me smile. Enjoy the ride. Great advice right there for sure. Great advice right there. Um, yeah, uh, David throws out the term pre-war to even predate predate vintage, which I think makes a lot of sense. Okay, Mint Inc., Aton. Mint Inc. is a LCS in the Toronto area. Tell us, when did you start working there? Why? How did you get the job? Take us through your your journey to being there and what you're doing at the store now, what you're, what the experience has been like. Well, I will do just that, Jeremy, but just a real quick uh, uh, response to Dave there. Uh, you know, Dave, you are indeed my twin, uh, but if we were to categorize one another, you would be pre-war, buddy. Now, anyway, 
let's talk a little bit, and I'm post-war, um, if you know what I mean. So Mint Inc. Um, is a uh, trading card operation uh, here in uh, in Ontario, um, uh, multiple locations. I have an amazing origin story that I'd like to share right now. It may embarrass some people, but it's incredibly entertaining, so I'm going to go for it. But uh, the way things started with Cartel and Mint Inc. Um, was rocky. Um, I had decided to take a long walk one day. It was, I think, just post-lockdown, I'm pretty sure, from what I can recall. You know the last few years have been very hazy, Jeremy. Uh, everything melts into itself. Uh, but uh, I decided to take, take a walk, and I was, I was almost kind of uh, making a little jab and having a little light fun with a, uh, a pattern I saw emerging amongst my friends on IG where people were taking long walks for exercise, which I think is great, fantastic. Uh, as you know, Jeremy, I'm also a personal trainer, um, but they were doing this thing where they were all competing and how long they were walking and and, and that sort of thing. So I was like, hey, the cartel doesn't always have to deadlift or, or squat. I'll go for a walk. And on a walk, I decided I was going to visit a store that I'd not visited before, despite it being fairly close to me. And um, and I made sure to check Google, make sure they're open. And I was ready to, you know, report on uh anything that i found anything that i purchased and plaster that you know on my on my instagram feed but unfortunately when i got there i couldn't get there because there was no one at the store hmm. um and you know the uh, the lockdown and a variety of other things made uh cartel a very testy boy at the time uh, all work and no play was was making me feel like uh like jack torrance but um, I very, uh, you know, hot-headedly went to town on minting for being closed when they claimed they were open. Now, I found out later on it was for more than a good reason that they happened to be closed for a small period of time, that the cartel happened to be walking by. And, of course, any rational, sane human being would stop and consider that instead of turning their phone on and having fun with it and and uh, deriding someone set to their favorite music tunes, you know, uh, but that's what I did. And um, a man by the name of Johnny risked it all when he caught wind. Um, he was having dinner with the wife. So so our man, Johnny, risked it all and contacted me directly. He did not express any anger. He was not on the defensive or the offensive, he simply told me he wanted to spend some time talking with me. In that era of Instagram communication, where people are all over one another, all over companies, Tops did this, Upper Deck did this, PSA grades too slow, they grade too fast. Um, this person, I'm going to punch him in the face, and that person, you know, insert comments on facial hair or something. It was, if it wasn't one thing, it was another thing. Everyone was on edge. Here was this guy calm in the fire. And I, I really not experienced anything like that in terms of the communication at the time blew me away. I was very impressed. Um, when I did eventually meet with John, they, uh, they brought me into the store and, opened up what seemed like a secret passageway. Like, I don't know if you've ever gone to like a washroom at a club in downtown Toronto. They're, they're like exposed brick and very sketchy. 
you just hope you're going to get out in one piece. And, and they take me down there. And Johnny is a, a, a proud Italian fellow. And so are many of his friends. And I, I was being taken down in, into a, into a, a cellar by these Italian gentlemen. And uh, I just want to talk take a to seat. We, we just, I just want to talk to you, he says. <laughs> yeah, we just want to talk. Have a seat. Have a seat over there, as Chris Hansen mm-hmm. says. Um, we all took a seat. And what did Johnny do? Did, did, did he, did he go off? Did he, did he go into a rambling explanation? As an employee, John knows I'm prone to that. Sometimes I'll go into a rambling explanation, um, when I don't need to, uh, no, he did none of that. He, he basically, if I'm going to boil it down, asked me what they could do better and for information. And instantly I was drawn to not only being a customer. I mean, I'm a customer at a lot of different stores. I had also recently, by the way, I didn't mention uh, in the story, I'd had a bad experience in Miami, Florida with a group of young men. Um, Again, I don't, it's not about hobby negativity, but uh, I was fresh off of that. And the, the thing that minting shared in common with that organization was a very slick Uh, marketing exterior, which is very impressive, by the way, and comes from a lot of hard work. I don't know if you've ever heard the Mint Inc. songs that that John produced. Um, They're fantastic. It's amazing hip hop. I'm I'm a hip hop head. Uh, Anyone who follows my IG knows I'm I'm all over the place with music, but I love old school hip hop. So does John. They're amazing. I just am really impressed uh, the extra mile they go with the marketing and the brand. Um, so that was kind of a connection that had a negative connotation at the time for me. One conversation is all it took a couple of proposals, um, a few more discussions. And the next thing I knew is I was involved in the organization organization. I'm involved on many different levels. I'm kind of more than, more than anything at the moment, a manager, I make sure the downtown Toronto gallery slash shop is well-maintained and, and, uh, and running at full power. And um, it was amazing. Uh, as I'm sure you know, if I, I found myself working with what I love for people that I respected and I like what they're doing. And beyond the passion, they actually have big, big goals. They, they're, they're, they, have, they have big plans. And that's very exciting. There's a lot of stagnation, not so much with minting. So uh, that's the origin story. Um, and at this point, um, I get a lot of experience on the storefront level uh, at our Davenport location downtown. And, um, and that's, that's relatively new to me. I've, I've helped out at stores before. Um, but uh, this is kind of a bit of a higher level. There's a lot of personal ownership I take in, in, in terms of the store itself. It's, it's a different aspect of the hobby, right? There's, there's collecting, investing, buy and sell, this, that, and the other thing. But, but now, you know, running a store and being involved in an organization that has all these different departments, trying to make things work, a lot of moving parts, it's, it's still in process. It's getting better every day. Uh, it's a relatively new company at the end of the day. And uh, it's let exciting. Me, let, me ask you, let me ask you this quick. So you're managing, you're responsible for one of the stores. Are you... You know, you mentioned you're also a personal trainer. Are you still a personal trainer? Do you still have clients there? And are you full time at Mint Inc.? Are you are you 40 hours a week type of thing plus at Mint Inc.? 
you know, they were incredibly accommodating in terms of the transition. Um, don't forget, you know, the personal training industry took a huge hit during the pandemic in terms of being able to see people um, in person. You know, I remember I was on I was on another podcast, Jeremy, not yours, um, where, you know, people made some judgments about me in terms of being a personal trainer because I'm not a not really a meathead. But um, I'm a very hands on strength and conditioning coach. I did strength and conditioning for some very high level athletes. I don't need to toot my own horn, but it was very much hands on. So this concept of, hey, don't worry about it. You can do it online. You can Zoom with your clients. It was brutal for me. It's just not what I do. Um, I do have a few clients that mean the world to me that I've been seeing for so long that it makes sense to carry on. Um, but I mean, that's one fiftieth of the schedule that I had. I very much committed to Mint Inc. at that point, And they were so very accommodating when it came to transitioning. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.